There we are. Okay, so we are holding in Malachim Beis, Perek Tesvav, chapter 15 of Malachim Beis. Um, and as I told you last week, we're not going to be able to finish the entire Sefer tonight, obviously. It's another 10 Prokim, or 11 Prokim. Um, but I do hope to get to a certain important point in the history. Um, what we've been learning is we're going through basically the story as the, as the name of the Sefer itself, which is Malachim. We're talking about the period of the kings of Kal Yisrael. Um, and it's been a, it's been a journey. Um, you know, we started off with the first king of Kal Yisrael, which was Shaul HaMelech. Um, and then we went to David HaMelech and, and Shleimah HaMelech. And those were the three kings that were kings alone of the entire Jewish people. But then it split. And then by the son of uh, Shleimah's son, his name was Yeravam. At that point is when the Malchus was split for reasons that we discussed at length and we're not going to go through that. But the fact is that the Malucha split and basically became known as the Malucha of the Ten Shvatim versus the Malucha of the Two Shvatim. The Two Shvatim were always headed by the Melech of Shevet Yehuda. And that was the ultimately the rightful king of Klal Yisrael is always going to be from Shevet Yehuda. And that's uh, David HaMelech's descendants until Mashiach. That's the, so that was the Malchus of Yehuda, which was the more significant Melech and was the one who was in Yerushalayim with the Beis HaMikdash, but was the minority, because it was only two tribes. It was Yehuda and Binyamin, um, with some Levim from Shevet Levi, but it was primarily the Malchus of Yehuda and Binyamin, versus the Malchus of the Aseris Hashvat in the Ten Tribes, which is much more in number. And they were not centered in Yerushalayim. They were never in Yerushalayim. They were usually centered in the Shomron. I think, I mean, today we talk about the Shomron. I assume it's the same area. And that's where the Ten Shvatim typically were. And the, ten, the Melech of the Ten Shvatim was of any number of tribes. It didn't, it didn't have a, a specific Shevet that it was. So that was the Malchus of the Two versus the Malchus of the Ten. Um, we've also been seeing that the Malchus of the Ten Shvatim were typically idolatrous. Um, the the Malachim themselves and the people, um, typically, not always, but typically they were quite negative and quite uh, idolatrous and immoral, some worse than others. But that was generally the story of the Ten Shvatim. Uh, versus the story of the two Shvatim, which is the opposite. It's generally okay. They're generally okay. Um, not always. One second, there's people to admit over here. Um, the two Shvatim also were not always, even as we'll see tonight. But nevertheless, uh, that was the majority. Usually, if you, if, you, if you go by the rule of thumb, by the rule of the majority, I'm sorry, just trying to let people in over here. Okay. Um, by the rule of thumb, the ten tribes, the ten Shvatim typically were idolatrous, the two tribes were typically good. Um, and sometimes they had battles between themselves, sometimes they were at peace between themselves. And that's the history that we've been going through as we go from Melech to Melech, and as the Tanakh goes back and forth from the ten to the two to the two to the ten, as we've been, we've been part of that journey. Now there's something that I, I don't remember if I mentioned, but it's probably important to mention, that during all this Melachim, there is Nevi'im. And we're not really learning much about the Nevi'im that were prophets during the time of these Malachim. Um, it's mentioned here and there when the Melech needs the Navi or something. But really, there are entire books of Nevi'im in the later Nevi'im that deal with Hosea and Amos and Zechariah and so on, which those Nevi'im, their time span is a time span that we're covering in these Shiurim. So, you know, what, what we'll do going on further when we finish Malachim, I don't know, we didn't make those decisions yet. But, but it, really, there's... There's different sfarim of, of the Nevi'im that are all dealing about the same time span, but from different perspectives. And I guess that's an important thing to remember. We're learning the story of the kings of the times. That's what we're... And we're going... Malachim is going to take us all the way till the Churban Beis HaMikdash, all the way throughout the entire uh, time of the Malachim. During which time, there's many Nevi'im who played a role as well. 
that we're hearing very little of in this Sefer, but in the later Sfarim, in the times in the Sfarim devoted to those Nevi'im, they deal with these kings that we're talking about at this time as well. So it's just something to bear in mind that different Sfarim and Tanakh are dealing with the same time periods, but from different perspectives and focusing on different parts of the story, primarily whether you're focusing either on the Malachim or on the Nevi'im. And we're learning the Sefer of Malachim, so therefore the focus is on those Malachim. Um, as we know and have mentioned a number of times, that the, the ten tribes, because they're so idolatrous and because um, they anger Hashem, so they're going to be exiled before the two tribes, uh, significantly before. And that, that's called the Golos Aseris Hashvatim, the exile of the ten tribes, which is by the, by the nation of Assyria, Melech Ashur. Um, and once they leave, so that's it, they're gone. They're gone out of Israel. And the rest of the story is only the story of the two tribes. So it's, uh, it's got to be, it's over a hundred, well over a hundred years from the time that the ten tribes are exiled until the Churban Beis Hamikdash, right? Because the ten tribes are exiled and then there's another, I don't know, ten Malachim or so of Malchi Yehuda until ultimately the Churban Beis Sheni. So because the ten tribes were worse, so to speak, in their behavior, so therefore their exile comes sooner. Um, and that's what I mentioned last week, that tonight we're not going to get to the end of the Sefer, but we're going to get to the... I hope we'll get to the Golos Aseris Hashvatim, the uh, the time, the end of the story for the ten tribes at least, and then as far as the subsequent queens of the two tribes, we'll we'll see, we'll learn it, Mirza Hashem, when we when we reconvene. Okay, um, questions? No. Okay, so we are we are holding by Perik Tesvav, Malachim Beis Perik Tesvav, and we're going to learn now about a king. We're going to learn about a king in the two tribes. And that is Azariah, and the king of Malchi Beis Yehuda. And it says, um, during Bishnas Esr Shava, during the kingdom of Yeravam, the king of the ten tribes, Yeravam, who's a, a grandson of Yehu, right? Remember, Yehu was a very important player in the ten tribes, because Yehu was the one that killed out the, the house of Achav primarily, and he became a king of the ten tribes. And then, as we saw and we'll see tonight, he, he was promised four generations of kingdom in the ten tribes. So while that's going on in the ten tribes, so back to the two tribes we have now the new king is Azariah ben Amatsia, Melach Yehuda. Azariah, son of Amatsia, king of Yehuda. Um, this Azariah, his father was Amatsia. Amatsia's father was Yoash. Yoash was the one who was hidden in the Kodesh HaKadosh and hidden in the Beis HaMikdash. And ultimately um, he became king through Yehoyada the Kohen Gadol. Um, we'll recall Yoash was killed ultimately by an inner uh, rebellion. And his son Amatsia became the king after Yoash. Amatsia was also primarily, Yoash was primarily a good king. Amatsia was primarily a good king. And now the next one is Azariah, who's also known as Uziah. Same, same person, Azariah and Uziah. And he was the next king of the, of the, of the Malchi Yehuda, the kingdom of Yehuda. Pasuk says he was 16 years old when he became king. And he ruled for 52 years in Yerushalayim. Um, I'm quite sure he was the longest standing king of the Jewish people. This Uziah, or Azariah or Uziah, it says he was king for 52 years. Um, Chazal talk about it, not all 52 years was he an active king because he became sick later and started. But the point is the Pasuk says, the Pasuk gives him a number of years that it does not give for any other king of the Molochim. And the Pasuk says, Vayas ha-yosher be'ini Hashem. 
he went in the just path, in the proper way, in the eyes of Hashem, just as Amatzia, his father, did. So Azariah slash Uzziah is considered one of the uh, righteous kings of Kali Yisrael, one of the upright kings of Kali Yisrael, and the fact that he was a king for so long is, um, is a testament to that, that he wasn't punished, that he wasn't removed from the kingdom. But then it says, but again, Pasuk Dalit, we have a common um, critique of the two tribes. As it says, that there were still people bringing sacrifices on the Bamais, on their private Mizbechos Hashem, not idolatrous, but it was forbidden. It's interesting, I actually saw something tonight, and that is, why is this a reoccurring sin amongst the two tribes? It's an interesting sin. After all, they were believers in Hashem, and they were not idolatrous. So why was this the thing that kept on coming up, that they, they kept on bringing Karbanos to Hashem in places that they weren't supposed to? And a, an explanation that I saw, again, just this evening, and that is because the idea of not having Bamos is because you have the Beis HaMikdash. But there was a general feeling that the Beis HaMikdash is not real, in a sense, it's not binding the holy place because it was only a place that a very a minority of the Jewish people went to. Remember, from the time that the ten tribes and the two tribes separated, the ten tribes didn't come to the Beis HaMikdash. I think at some point we discussed, like, there's a question, did Eliyahu and Navi ever come to the Beis HaMikdash? Did Elisha ever come to the Beis HaMikdash? Because they were in the area of the ten tribes. You weren't allowed to go there. So it would seem, and this is according to the Mephirish that I saw, that the people of the two tribes somehow in their hearts didn't feel that the Beis HaMikdash is the Beis HaMikdash if the majority of the Jewish people don't come there. And because they didn't give it that respect in their own minds and hearts, that's why they felt they could bring a, a carbon in their backyard too. Because, you know, anyways, the Beis HaMikdash is just like a fancy shul. It, they, didn't, they didn't feel it to be the center of Klal Yisrael once there was that division of the tribes. And that seems to have been a very deep-rooted feeling amongst the Jewish people, so much so that though they're fine and though they're serving Hashem, this is one Avera that keeps on coming up, that they're bringing Karbanos in their backyards in the Bamos. And it's important enough that the Navi keeps on saying that. It says they did good and they were good, but the Bamos were still around. That seems to be a, an ongoing stain, so to speak, on the two tribes in that time. Then there's an interesting Pasuk, Pasuk Hei, which says that Vayinaga Hashem as HaMelech, Hashem um, Vayinaga is like he gave Maneg, he smote the king, or, and Vayhi Mitzora, the king became a Mitzora, became a leper, Ad Yomoso till the day of his death. This king Azariah, who was a just king, was a good king, became a Mitzora. Um, until he passed away, for many, many years, he was a Mitzora. And it says, he sat in a house, he created himself a little a home where he was free, and his son Yosam judged the Jewish people instead of him. As when this king Azariah, or Uziah, was a leper, his son Yosam took over the practical runnings of the kingdoms. Why did Azariah become a leper? Why did he become a Mitzrayah? What happened? And this is one of those cases where here the Navi is very um, vague. Just as he became a leper, doesn't say why. But we cross-reference with the Sefer Divrei Hayamim, which we've done many times. Divrei Hayamim in English is translated as the Book of Chronicles. And there it says the story. It says that Azariah, who was a good king and a very powerful king, at some point had the desire to go to the Besamikdash and bring the carbon, bring the k'tairis, the incense in the Beis HaMikdash. And the Kohen Gadol said, don't do it, you're not a Kohen. You're a king and you're wonderful and everything good, but if you're not a Kohen, you're not allowed to bring the k'tairis in the Beis HaMikdash. 
And for reasons that aren't clear, Azariah got it into his head. He wants to bring the Ktaris in the Beis Hamikdash. The Gemara says it was L'shem Shemayim. He, he wanted to bring the Ktaris for Hashem, but he wasn't allowed to. And when he did that, and as the Kohen Gadol was telling you, you're not allowed to, suddenly he became a leper. And that was his punishment for bringing the Ktaris in the Beis Hamikdash when he was not allowed to, and he got the Tzeras. Um, and that Saras was a punishment that stayed with him until the day he passed away. It never, it never left him. And it was because, although he was a king, and although he was fine, and everything good, but he inserted himself where he didn't belong. Um, he wasn't allowed to bring the Ketaris, and therefore he was punished. And so, interestingly, according to the commentary that I told you earlier, he says, it came from the same, that mistake came from the same place as the Jewish people who were making bummos in their backyards. There wasn't the covet for the Beis Hamikdash because they felt it's only the minority of the Jewish people anyway. So he, it would seem, suffered from the same problem, didn't have enough of the respect for the Kahuna and the Beis Hamikdash, and therefore wanted to bring that carbon, and ultimately was struck with leprosy at that time. And, um, and because of that, although he was a king for so many years, but the last number of years, there's different readings of how many, 15 years or whatever, that he was with leprosy, he wasn't the acting king because he was ill, he was sick, he was a Messiah, and therefore he was not the acting king. It was his son Yosem who took his position, didn't become the king, but was Shefet, was the judge for the Jewish people during that time that his father was a leper. And the Pasuk Vav says in the, continue, in the stories of Azariah and everything of his the history of the time is written on the history of the days, um, and ultimately, he passed away and is buried with his fathers in the city of David with all of the kings of the house of David, of David, and his son Yosem became the king after him. And that's the end of Pasuk Zion. So that the first part of this parak dealt with the continuation of the Malche Beis Yehuda of the time. Again, this Azariah, who was a king for a long time and in general is a good king, the Torah says, yet did a sin and was struck with leprosy. And then his son Yosem becomes the king after him. The rest of this barrack goes back to the ten tribes. And it's actually lengthy, and it's just and it's a very difficult parak. Basically, it's king after king that are all basically Rishaim, all of them are wicked, and they the, the turnover is very quick. There's one, and he's killed on the next, on the next, on the next. And that's really the remainder of this parak. We'll go through it quickly. There's not much story here, not not, not much of a storyline. It just goes through king after king in the ten tribes. So let's see. In Pasukhes. Um, in the thirty-eighth year that Azariah was the king in Yehuda, on the, on the on the side of the ten tribes, the new king is Zechariahu. Zechariahu, the son of Yeravam. Um, Zechariahu is number four after Yehu. Right? He was the promised four. Zechariahu was number four. So Zechariahu is the son of Yeravam, and he does bad in the eyes of Hashem, just like his fathers did, and they all continue the sins of Yeravam ben Nevat, who, who brought sinfulness to the Jewish people. Yeravam, of course, being the first king, the trailblazer of the ten tribes, the one who brought idolatry to the ten tribes. So this Zechariah went in the negative ways, and ultimately there was a rebellion, and a person named Shalom ben Yavesh um, killed him in front of everyone, and this, that was the end of Zechariah. He was killed by Shalom ben Yavesh. Again, there's very little detail afforded to us on the Navi here, just that he was killed. And that was the end of Zechariah, and whatever he did is written up in the history of the times. Um, and he, this Zechariah, was the fulfillment of what Hashem had told Yehu that there would be four generations from you because Zechariah was number four from Yehu. And so there was, it was four father after son, descendants, direct descendants of Yehu, the one who destroyed the house of Achav. 
But now the house of Yehu is done because Zechariah, which is number four, um, is killed. The one who becomes the next king of the ten tribes is the one who killed um, Zechariah, and his name is Shalom ben Yavesh. So Shalom ben Yavesh becomes the king. It's in the 39th year of Uziah, or Azariah, Melech Yehuda. And this Shalom, his kingdom only lasted for one month. That was it. Um, and just like he, he um, instigated the killing of the king before him, he was also killed by a rebellion by a person named Menachem ben Godi from Tirza, which was a city there. Um, and he comes to Shomron and he kills, kills Shalom ben Yavesh just as Shalom killed Zechariah. Um, and again, the Pasuk says, and all this is written up on the history of the times. Um, this Menachem, Menachem who killed Shalom, who killed Zechariah. So Menachem now becomes the king, and he's again a wicked king. These are wicked kings one after the other. And he's a wicked king, and it talks about certain battles that he did, and there was a city called, um, um, there was a city called Tifsach that didn't want to accept him as their king, and he destroyed the entire city. Um, and so this Menachem is the new king. He's a king for 10 years in the Shomron. He too does bad, does, does, is wicked in the eyes of Hashem, does not uh, remove himself from the sins of Yeravam, who brought sinfulness to Klal Yisrael. And it was at this time that the kingdom of Ashur attacks the Jewish people for the first time. Now again, Ashur spells the beginning of the end for the ten tribes. We know ultimately they're going to be the ones who are going to exile the ten tribes in entirety. So here in Pasuk Yutes, we have the first time that we read about the kingdom of Ashur, the kingdom of Assyria, which had become, which was growing now to be one of the most powerful kingdoms of the time. Perhaps the most powerful kingdom of the time was the Assyrians, or Ashur. So the king of Ashur at that time was a person named Ful, Pei Vav Lamed, Ful. So Ba Ful Melech Ashur al Haaretz. Ful, the king of Ashur, comes and he uh, lays siege to the land. And uh, this Menachem, Menachem, who's the king of the ten tribes, tries to uh, bribe him. And he gathers together an enormous amount of silver and money, whatever he can. And he levies heavy, very heavy taxes on the Jewish people. And he says every person had to give 50 shekel of kesef, which is, seems a tremendous amount. And ultimately, he's able to buy off the king of Asher. This Menachem, who is now the king, is able to buy off the king of uh, Asher, give him a very, very heavy bribe, but it really makes the Jewish people very poor at the time. But that, that he was able to save the nation for that time. And the Pasuk continues and says, and the, with the stories of Menachem and what he did is written on the history of the time. And Menachem passes away after 10 years of kingdom. Uh, at least he passed away. He wasn't killed like his two predecessors. But he passes away after 10 years. And after him, the next king of the 10 tribes is Pekachia, his son. His son named Pekachia. Um, so he's the next king of the of the ten tribes. Again, Pekachia took the place of his father Menachem, who kills Shalom, who kills Zechariah. Right? This is the this is all going on during one king of the two tribes, which was Azariah. Remember, Azariah is a king for fifty years. So during his kingdom, during the reign of Azariah over the two tribes, the ten tribes is changing king after king after king. So as the pasuk says, the pasuk of Gimel is fifty years into the kingdom of Azariah on the two tribes that now the new king of the ten tribes is Pekachia, son of Menachim. And he's going to be the king on the two tribes for two years. And he's again going to go in the ways of all his predecessors. 
He does bad in the eyes of Hashem. Does not remove himself from the sinfulness of Yeruvim, who brought sinfulness onto the Jewish people. And ultimately, a rebellion is going to overthrow this new king, Pekachia, as well. And that's going to be the next king of the two tribes. His name is Pekach ben Rimmal Yohu. Again, I'm not giving you more details because there isn't, the Navi doesn't tell us, it's just really running through the kings of the time. But it says that Pekach ben Rimal Yohu, who really was an officer um, in the armies of Pekachia, he um, overthrows and deposes the king Pekach, um, Pekachia. Um, and Pekachia is, is laid to rest, and his. Um, and his, the stories of his time is in the history of the times and so on and so forth. So now the new king is Pekach ben Rimal Yohu. And the king of the two tribes is still Azariah. It's in the 52nd year of the king Azariah of the two tribes. Azariah already, by the way, of course, has that leprosy. And his son is judging, but it's still part of Pekach Yo, um, Azariah's kingdom. When the new king becomes Pekach ben Rimal Yohu. And he too does bad in the eyes of Hashem, as it says in Pasuk Chavches, Vayas Hashem, did not remove himself from the sins of Yeravam ben Nevat, who brought sinfulness unto the Jewish people. And it was in his time that Ashur comes back. Right? You'll remember Ashur had already attacked the Jewish people by the previous king, but was bought off with a tremendous bribe and a tremendous uh, you know, levy tax levied on the Jewish people. Now Ashur returns, and that's in Pasuk Chavches. The Assyrians return. Be made Pekach Melech Yisrael in the days of Pekach, the king of the Jewish people. We're now on. The, we have the, the, there's a new king to Ashur before the king was full. Now it is Tiglas, but Tiglas Pileser Melech Ashur. Two names: Tiglas Pileser, the king of Ashur, and he now starts exiling the ten tribes. It's not a full. The exile of the ten tribes did not happen at one time as people mistakenly think. It's clear it happened over a number of years, over a number of kings, that the ten tribes were exiled from Eretz Yisrael um, slowly. The first step of Galus Ashur is in this Pasuk. The first step of the exile into Ass uh, through the Assyrians is here, as the Pasuk says, Vayikach, this king named Tiglas Pileser, the king of Ashur, takes Iun and Avel, Beismacha, Yanoach, Kedesh, Chatzor, Gilad, these are all cities. Galila, Kol Eretz Naphtali, and all of the tribe of Naphtali, Vayaglim Ashura, and exiles them to Ashura, to Assyria. Really, this is the first Golos. We've been in Eretz Yisrael now for hundreds of years. We've been in Eretz Yisrael now probably 600 years, right? Because because they were there 400 years, 440, before the first Beis HaMikdash was built, and we're a good 200 years into the Beis HaMikdash already. So Klal Yisrael has been in Eretz Yisrael for 600 years. There's been battle, there's been war, there's been all types of terrible things, but never goals. We were never exiled. From the time we came in with Yehoshua, we were never yet exiled from the land of Israel. This is the first time we have Golos. Um, what, in other words, the first time once we came into Israel, we had Golos Mitzrayim. But the first time we came in as a nation to Israel with Yoshua, the first time we're exiled from that is when Ashur takes, starts taking Jewish people out of Israel, and this is where it happens. In the, again, in the kingdom of this, um, of Pekah, um, the king of the ten tribes, and here we have a whole list of cities that were exiled to Ashur, to Assyria. Um, which is, which is a famous question, and very likely that you've heard 
um, classes about this story about the the ten the exile of the ten tribes. Like, where are they? One of the very famous Jewish questions is, where are they? Will they be coming back? Are they in a certain place? Are they spread out all over the world? And there's no clear answer to that question. And that's why it's the subject of so many shiurim, because there's no one um, answer that we have to that question. Um, there is the basic question of, will they, when Mashiach comes, will the Golos Aseris Hashvatim, will the remnants of the Ten Tribes come back? And there's two, basically there's two opinions, but Ramban, Nachmanides, is very strong that yes, that the, the Aseris Hashvatim also will be returned, and the Mashiach will be the ingathering of all of Klal Yisrael, the Ten Tribes and the Two Tribes. But having said that, where they are exactly is highly unclear. Of course, there's Medrashim about a river Sambation, and they're hidden somewhere in the world in some magical place, and there are Sars Medrashim. There are other opinions that say that that's allegoric, and really they're just spread all over the place, and we're always finding people who trace themselves back to Manasha or to Dun or to Naphtali. And again, there is no one answer, clear answer to the question where they are. But there is no question that in the olden days when the Assyrians and later the Babylonians, when they would exile, they would take everyone out of their country and disperse them. And they would disperse them. So it could be pockets ended up here and pockets ended up there. It could be maybe an entire city ended up somewhere. But the, their big thing was to take people, when they would conquer a country, they would take the inhabitants out and bring them back to their homeland and either send them to distant places or sell them to slavery or so on. And, and that's, this is the first time where that happens. Again, it's a, this is Tesvav is where we have that description where this Pileser, king of Ashur, um, exiles a number of cities and a, and a tribe, the entire tribe of Naphtali. In the time of this Pekach ben Rimal Yehu. In Pasuk Lamed, um, we have that now there is going to be a rebellion against the king of the, the, uh, the king, this Pekach, um, who was, again, a wicked king, and in his time the Jewish people are falling apart and exile is happening. So there is a next king, Hoshea ben Elah. Hoshea ben Elah is the last king of the ten tribes. Hoshea ben Elah. He leads a rebellion and overthrows this Pekach ben Rimal Yohu. Um, and he has him put to death. And he becomes the last, he becomes the next, the next and final king of the Aseris Hashvatim. Um, and the Pasuk finishes, as it does by the end of every king, that the continuation of the stories of Pekach and everything he accomplished and everything he did is written up in the histories of the time. And so the new king of the Jewish people, of the ten tribes, is Hoshea ben Elah. He's the last king. And now we're going to take a break from him and go back to the two tribes. Right? So although we just discussed probably five kings of the ten tribes, but they're one after the other in pretty rapid succession, all of them were during the lifetime of one king of the two tribes, the one we started with tonight, who is Azar Yahu, or, or Uzzah, Uzziah, the one who got the tzaras, who got the leprosy. So we, was, we took a trip to the Ten Tribes and saw King, 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 King. We got to the last King of the Ten Tribes and we stopped. We didn't get into his story yet. And now we're going back to the two tribes. No questions? Good. I'm, I'm waiting for a question so I can catch my breath. Yeah. <laughs> so when you say that the, the people were exiled, first God of us, what does that mean? Because were they enslaved? Were they... What happened to them? I mean, I know they were taken out of the land, but what actually did they do to them? 
Um, okay, so I, I don't really know the answer, particularly in every in every case. It doesn't say the pasuk doesn't say much about it, but I'm going to say both. In other words, number one, they had an objective of exiling and taking them out of their land, and that was a, a thing of the times. We have that by by later with the Babylonians, and we have that with the Assyrians. Um, that one of the things was when you came when you conquered a land, what you did was you took all the inhabitants and sent them away, because that made that made it your land. Otherwise, you're going to be fighting with them forever. Right. Once, if you want to establish total ownership, so you took the inhabitants and they're gone. Now it's yours. You can do whatever you want. So that was a, a modus operandi. That was a way that they operated then when they would totally, to, to show their full dominion to capture land was to remove all its inhabitants. Now, so that was one. That was just an exile. Now, what do you do with them? So many of them were definitely, you know, slavery was definitely a big thing um, in, back in those times. And many of them were definitely taken as slaves or sold into slavery. Uh, or perhaps worse, perhaps killed, or, or, or many of them were just, you know, go and find yourself a new place. And that's, um, you know, the story throughout throughout our history, we had that. We had times when we were sold into slavery. We had times when you just had to take our walking stick and travel and find a new place. And it could be, it could be all of the above. You know, when, when the Romans, when the Romans took us out after the uh, second base of Mikdash, same thing. So we're all exiled from Israel. Israel. Many went to slavery. Many were killed. Many found themselves new places to live. So I don't know if there's one answer to that question. It's all of the above. The common denominator is that everybody was exiled. Everybody was exiled from the land. What happened to them, that depended. Uh, many came on the whims of very wicked and evil people, obviously. Okay. Um, I have a question. Sure. I have a, I have a question. Please. Okay, so um, when you said that the, the people from the, the kings and the people from the ten tribes didn't hold so much the base of Mikdash was really part part of there. What did, what, so what happened during Shlosh Regalim? They didn't go up to Yerushalayim. Correct. They did not. They did not. In fact, going back. How many generations were they doing that? A lot. A lot. I'm going. I'm going to throw. A, I'm going to throw a figure. I don't know if it's exact, but I'm going to say 200 years or close to that. Close to that. It, it really all started from that. Because if going back to the beginning, the first king of the two of the ten tribes, who's the one who's always mentioned negatively, is Yeravam ben Nevat. He was the one who started the concept of the, and he's the one who had erected altars and ultimately calves, golden calves, on the roads that lead to Yerushalayim, not allowing his subjects to go to Yerushalayim. And that was something that went throughout the times. You know, we talked about the Avodizar of the Baal. Baal was like a new thing that Achav and his wife brought in. But the fact that they weren't going to Yerushalayim and that they were uh, first bringing up sacrifices to Hashem from other places and then it just became idolatry, that really was the basic approach of the Ten Tribes throughout all that time, as hard as, hard as that is for us to really relate to. But they get. Yeah, the, but the the answer is that. Ba- right. So the answer is that by and large they did not go. They did not go to Islam. There were Yehidim. There were people who did. There always were people who did. But as a nation, as a whole, as a shita, so to speak, they didn't. They were a separate nation. Right. That's a real split. It was. It was. A, it was, a, it was a, it's it's really inconceivable for us to really to really put our uh, put ourselves in those shoes. It was like Kalisro was two nations. It really was, and there's a you know on one hand there's a Besamikdash there and it's it's wonderful. On one hand it's terrible. And that was the, the story at the time. Can I ask a quick question? Yes. Would you say that when it comes to the ten tribes, there's a lot of like um, 
other blood where they like assassinate and they take over and they're the generals. Whereas with the two tribes, they tend to be father, son, father, son, father, son, or that's not a generalization. No, that's uh, very w well said. It's very true. And the, the, the reason that's so true is because the two tribes, the king was always from Yehuda. Oh, right. Okay. The ten tribes wasn't. Because right. once you're out of Yehuda, it really doesn't matter who's the king. Uh -huh. Yehuda is Yehuda. That's it. So it was basically father-son. Maybe not always, but, but it was basically, it was always the same tribe. It was basically father-son. Even when they were good or bad, it was still father-son. But in the ten tribes, because there wasn't one tribe that had to be the Melech, so whoever took over. So sometimes, you know, by Yehu, it was five generations, but it didn't have to be. Right? Okay, Pasuk Lamid Beis. Um, we're going a little bit back in history. So while Pekach ben Rimal Yohu is the king of the ten tribes, right, he's the one right before the last one, second to the last, back to the true tribes, the new king is Yosam, son of Uziyahu, Melech Yehuda. Again, Uziyahu slash Azariah. I don't know why sometimes he's called Uziyahu, sometimes Azariah. I read somewhere that when he became sick, they changed his name to Davin for him with a new name. Interesting, I saw that. So initially he was Azariah, then he called him Uziah. But be that as it may, but the Navi seems to be going back and forth. But be that as it may, this um, Azariah, who was a king for 52 years and had leprosy, and while he was leper, his son Yosam judged. So now after he passes away, Yosam becomes the king after him. As the Pasuk says, he was 25 years old when he becomes the king. He's a king for 16 years in Yerushalayim. And he was a tremendous tzaddik. The Pasuk says, Vayas hayosher be'ine Hashem. He did what was just in the eyes of Hashem. Kechel asher asa uziyahu aviv asa. Just like uziyahu was a tzaddik, he also was a tzaddik. Um, in, again, the old critique, but there were still bamos, right? The, 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 for some reason, always goes out of the way to say there's one thing that was always going on. There was always those bamos that people were still um, were still doing. So it's it's interesting that the pasuk doesn't spend a lot of time with Yosem at all. It says he was a just king. According to Chazal, he wasn't just a just king, but one of the greatest tzaddikim that ever lived, this Yosem. It's interesting that the Navi doesn't talk, just says he was a just king, went in the ways of Hashem. According in Chazal, um, he's talked about with tremendous, tremendous respect as one of the tzaddikim of the generations, though it doesn't really say why. It just says that as a fact. Um, it's interesting. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, um, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says in the Gemara, he says that um, I could... I could uh, exempt from din, from judgment, all the Jewish people from the beginning of creation until my time, I think, something like that. It says, but if you add together with the king Yosam, the son of Uziyo, then we can, then we can absolve people from, for, from all history of sin. Somehow he was, uh, in the eyes of Chazal, he was like a, one of the great tzaddikim and schusim of all time, this Yosam, son of Uziyah, Uziyo, though, again, the, third, the, the Nabi doesn't tell us much about him, at least not here. Okay, um, and the continuation of what happened with Yosem and everything he did is written on the history of the times, and so on. At that time, the parak finishes, um, there was the uh, Ritzin, the king of Aram. Ritzin, the king of Aram, was a, was a wicked king, the king of Aram, when Aram was never a friend, got together with Pekach ben Rimalyohu, the king of the Ten Tribes, who, we know he died already, but this goes back in history a little bit, and they started battle with the two tribes. So in Yosam's lifetime, there we have an additional battle going on between the ten tribes and the two tribes in the time of Yosam. 
And Yosem passes away at the end of this uh, chapter, and he's buried with his fathers, and those his ancestors in the Ir David, in the city of David. Um, and this, the king after him is Ahaz. Ahaz is going to be the next king of the two Shvatim, of the Malchi Yehuda. That's going to be Ahaz, son of Yosem, son of Azariah, son of Amatia, all the way back, the ten, the uh, ten tribes. Um, are we doing tonight the test on all the kings, or is that not for tonight? <laughs> okay, don't worry, I wouldn't do well on the test either. Okay, but let's hop around a little bit more. Let's try to do a little more, maybe one more pair. Perek So, it was in the 17th year of the king of Pekach ben Rimal Yohu, again, in the ten tribes, that Ahaz, son of Yosem, becomes the king of the two tribes. He's 20 years old this new king of the two tribes, Ahaz, he's going to be for 16 years, but he's not going to go in proper ways. This Ahaz, although we've, we've had a pretty good track record so far, the last few kings of the two tribes that were Tzadikim, one after the other, Ahaz is going to break that, um, that chain. So Ahaz, son of Yosem, again, Yosem, who's this tremendous Tzadik that we spoke about, somehow his son isn't. And that's just one of the stories of history. Um, so Ahaz becomes the king, he's 20 years old. Um, Ahaz does not go in the just ways um, of Hashem, the ways of David, his father. I mentioned this before, but I'm going to mention it again, that we see always, all the kings of the two tribes are always connected to David. Did they go in the ways of David? Did they not go in the ways of David? All the king of the ten tribes always go back to Yeruvam. Were they like Yeruvam, the first of their kings, or not? That's the, all the kings. It's always like it's like David is the king of the ten of the two tribes. Are you with David or not? Yeruvam is the king of the two tri- of the ten tribes. That is, I'm sorry, and all of them are always in their relationship. Were they like Yeruvam or were they not? So this Ahaz is not going the ways of Hashem, not going the ways of David, his father. Um, to the contrary, he went in the ways of the kings of Israel, of the ten tribes, to the extent that he even got involved in the Avodah of the Molech. The Molech is an Avodah that wasn't mentioned in Tanakh really yet, or maybe, maybe if yes, very, very short mention, but that's the, those are the ones who would take their children through fires. Um, they would, uh, it was one of the idolatrous um, ways of worshipping idols of the time. It's mentioned in the Chumash, the Molech, where you take a little child and walk him through a fire. Now, the child would either die or not die. It doesn't necessarily he would die, but that was the way of serving him, and if he would survive, he would survive. If not, not. But it says that the king, this new king, Ahaz, did that with his own children. Pasuk says in Pasuk Gimel, his own son, Hever Ba'esh, like the disgusting ways of the Goyim, of the nations of that time, that Hashem was trying to um, send out of Israel. And he brought uh, Karbonus to, to, uh, to the different idols all over Israel. And it was at that time that Ritzin, the king of Aram, together with Pekach ben Rimal Yohu, that they went to battle against the two, the, against the two tribes, this king Ahaz. And again, we have, now it's a negative king on, on each side of the battle, uh, battle court. Um, we have the ten tribes is Pekach, and the two tribes is Ahaz. Both of them are idolatrous, and they get into this war. And the king of the ten tribes brought with him this Ritzin, the king of Aram. So the ten tribes made a pact with the nation of Aram and they attack the two tribes. So what does Ahaz do? The king of the two tribes, he's, he's beset by the ten tribes with the king of Aram. No problem. He goes out and hires the king of Ashur. 
Right? And this becomes a civil war, the Jewish people really fighting each other, hiring their, their Goyesha friends. Right? So Pekach has the king of Aram with him. And now Achaz, the king of the two tribes, brings in um, Tiglas Peleser Melech Ashur, the one who already had begun exiling the ten tribes. Right? In the earlier chapter, we learned that the exile of the ten tribes had already begun through this Tiglas Peleser, the king of Ashur. So the king of the two tribes, who's being beset by the king of the ten tribes, hires the king of Ashur, Tiglas Peleser, to join him in his fight with the, two, with the ten tribes. And that's a very terrible, terrible battle. And it says, Achos takes all the silver and the gold, anything he found in the base of anything he found in the treasure houses of the king, to pay off the king of Ashur to be with him. And the king of Ashur listens, and he goes for it. So, and the king of Ashur, who's more powerful than the king of Aram, actually goes after him, and he casts him in Damasek, which is most likely what we call Damascus. And he, he grabs, uh, he gets the key, he's able to conquer the city. He actually puts to death the king of, 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 of Aram. The king of Ashur, who's working for the two tribes, puts to death the king of Aram, who's working with the ten tribes. And now this Achaz, the king of the two tribes, goes there, and he goes to Tiglas Peleser, to Damasek, and there, and remember, the king of the two tribes is now, this Achaz is idolatrous as well. And he comes there and he sees the beautiful um, um, altars, Mizbechos, of, of uh, Damasek, and he likes them. He says, these are beautiful altars. So he sends a message back to Yerushalayim, to the Kohen who was in Yerushalayim at the time, um, a person named Uriah, and he says, I want you to build altars just like this in the Beis HaMikdash. Let's, let's remodel the Beis HaMikdash after the altars that I found in Damasek that are used for Avedazar. And that's what happens. The Pasuk talks about that in detail, that uh, Uriah builds new Mizbaches in the Beis HaMikdash, which the Chazal says that it wasn't necessarily a sin in, on, onto itself. You know, he built a, and it wasn't appropriate, but it wasn't the worst sin in the world, that to remodel the Beis HaMikdash's Mizbeach, I mean, as long as it was the basic framework of a Mizbeach. But uh, the King Achaz comes back, and he goes to the Beis HaMikdash, and everybody sacrifices there, the, the Pasuk doesn't say when he brought sacrifices in the Mesa Mikdash, was it for Hashem or was it for Avedah Zarah? It's unclear. There's a lot of confusion then. People who were even Avedah also served Hashem. They brought Karbanas for Hashem, for Avedah But it talks about it, that he went there and he did the Karbanas and the Eula and the Zevach. And Uriah, he used Uriah HaKoyen. This King Ochaz used Uriah to do whatever he had to do. Um, and that, that's what the Pasuk says. He, basically, he was, a, he was a negative king, this Ochaz, son of Yosam. And even the service in the Mesa Mikdash was already tainted by idolatry, as we see. And uh, with this, the Perik finishes with the passing, with the death of this Achaz, um, with Achav, and Ach, Achaz is buried, and Achaz's son is going to be Chizkiyahu, the king of Yehuda, who's going to be one of the great kings of Klal Yisrael. So, so really, Achaz was like a bump in the road, because really he, his father was a tzaddik, his grandfather was a tzaddik, his great-grandfather was a tzaddik, and his son, Chizkiyo, was one of the greatest tzaddikim. Um, famously, the Gemara says, Chizkiyo had the ability to be Mashiach, if only the time was right for it. So Achaz was, a, was a, a wicked king in between father, grandfather, and son, who were all tzaddikim. But this was the story of Achaz, the son of Yosem, the king of the two tribes. Um... A little, a little more, right? Let's hop around a little bit more because I, I feel we didn't finish yet the concept. So a little, we'll go into chapter 17, Yudzayin. So chapter 17, let's go back now to the, to the ten tribes, 
right? The, the last one who was rebelled and put to death the previous king was Hoshea ben Elah. And I told you that Hoshea ben Elah is going to be the last king of the, of the ten tribes. And the, this chapter deals with this Hoshea ben Elah. He's the king in Shomron over the Jewish people for nine years. And it says about him something interesting in Pasuk Bey. It says, he did bad in the eyes of Hashem, but not as bad as all the kings that were before him. So he was already, he wasn't considered a tzaddik, this Hoshea ben Elah, but he was better. He wasn't on the same track as all of the Evdi In fact, it's interesting that in the time of Hoshea ben Elah, those idols that were on the way, on the roads to Yerushalayim were removed. This is the first time that they're removed. Yeravam, the first king of the ten tribes, erected those idols on the streets, on the roads to Yerushalayim. In the time of Hoshea ben Elah, they were removed. Now, the reason they were removed is not so much L'Shem Shemayim, but it's because half of the ten tribes are already in exile. They're not around anymore. It's, it's emptier. But it says that those idols were finally removed. And here Chazal says something very interesting. And Dafka now, when they're removed, the Jewish people are exiled. The, the, uh, the Golos of Sarah Sashvatim. Why is it when the idols are removed, you think things are better? Why now does the exile come in its fullest? And Chazal says something interesting. As long as the idols were there, the Jewish people had somewhat of an excuse why they're not going to Yerushalayim because there's those idols in the way and the guards. Now that everything is removed, now everyone can go, but nobody's going. And this why so, sort of this sort of sealed their fate in the time of this Hoshea ben Elah. And that's what the Pasuk says in Pasuk Gimel that the king Shalmaneser, who's the new king of Ashur, before we had Pil Esther, the king of Ashur, not Shalmaneser, he comes and he really takes over. He really um, becomes the king over the area of the ten tribes. And this Hoshea like, becomes a servant to him. So Hoshea is still the king of the ten tribes, but he's really totally subservient to the king of Ashur, Shalmaneser. But ultimately, the king of Ashur feels that Hoshea is not being faithful to him, and he arrests him, um, and he puts him into, uh, puts him into jail. As the king of Ashur, the Assyrian king, puts the Jewish king into jail. And then the Assyrian king lays siege to the Shomron for three years. Um, and ultimately, he totally um, conquers the Shomron, where the remainder of the ten tribes are, as Pasuk says in Pasuk Vav, in the ninth year of the king Hoshea. So the king of Assyria conquers the Shomron, and he exiles the Jewish people to Assyria. And they live there in all different types of city. And it says uh, in Chlach and Chavor and Nahar, Go- Nahar Gozan, uh, Ari Madai, and all these places that the Jewish people are exiled to there. And the Navi now takes a break like uh, about 10 Psukim, from Pasuk Zion until, more than 10 Psukim, until Pasuk Chafdalid. And just says, like, bemoans the fate of the Jewish people. He says, because they went in the ways of the Goyim, and as many Nuvim as Hashem sent them, and they kept on coming back to Avedazar, and Hashem kept on giving them more chances. But ultimately, and, and ultimately Hashem said that they didn't listen to one Navi, and they listened to another Navi, and they were, they discussed it in Hashem's Chukim, and Hashem's Covenant. Vayazu is called Mitzvah Hashem Elokeim. It's, it's really like 15 Sukkim were the Navi, and this is Yirmiyahu writing. Yirmiyahu Hanavi is writing all this, and he's sort of bemoaning the fate of the, of the ten tribes that after so many years and so many tribes and so many events, still they kept on going in the ways of Avedizara and they kept on giving their kids to the fires of Avedizara. And Hashem became so, so upset with them and ultimately disgusted with them. And, and, Hashem, he, and Hashem, um, Hashem exiled them. 
This is um, again, it's 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 a tough a tough fifteen psukim, but where the Yirmiyahu Navi just discusses and says because at this point that the Golos takes full hold of the Aseris Hashvat and the majority of Klal Yisrael Zagel from Yisrael at this point, and Yirmiyahu just talks about the fact that this was really a punishment for their going in the ways of Hashem, They're going away from the ways of Hashem. Um, the last part of Perik Yud Zayin is just that the. Um, that this king, uh, Shalmaneser, the king of Assyria, brought other people to live in the Shomron. That was what they did. When they conquered the land, they took out all the inhabitants and exiled them. And then they brought in another nation. So he brought in people who were from Kuta, known as the Kutim. And he says the Kutim lived there, but they were told they were Jewish and had no shaykh, you know, they had no interest in anything. And lions started um, attacking them. There was a, a plague of lions that would attack the Kutim in Shomron. And they, they said, what's going on? So the king said, you know, probably what it is, is because being that this is Jewish land and the Jews have a Jewish God and he doesn't, he wants you to be Jewish or something. So there was some level of conversion. All these kutim converted, but they didn't convert for real. They just converted because they were trying to save their lives. And therefore, as the Pasuk continues and discusses that these kutim, they converted on the one hand. On the other hand, they were still over the Avodah they, they were idolatrous, but they also served Hashem. And that's how they lived, these people in kutim. But at least they did enough to get the lions off their backs, so to speak. But that was the, uh, that's the end of the story of the Shomron and the people of the ten tribes. And that's how Perak Yudzayin finishes. And then Perak Yudchas goes back to the two tribes and the new king, which is going to be Chizkiyahu, and the continuation of that king, which is Perak Yudchas, and onward, till the end of the Sefer, which is in um, Perich of Hay. So, Be'ezus Hashem, it's my hope that we, when we reconvene after the summer to definitely finish up the Sefer, and then we'll, we'll see from there. Can I ask a question? Of course. Yes, go ahead. I have a question. So, who, who was with uh, uh, the kingdom of Yehuda? That was Yehuda and it was the Kohanim, is that it? Yehuda or and Binyamin. Yehuda and Binyamin. That? Do you hear me? Which tribes are with the... The tribe of Yehuda and the tribe of Binyamin. Binyamin was always with Yehuda. I'm not sure. And if... what about the Kohanim? Where did they go? So the Kohanim and Levim were dispersed amongst the tribes. They they were never seen as one tribe for themselves. So they didn't have their own area in Eretz Yisrael. So there definitely were many... So what did they do? I'm sorry? Okay, I was saying, so they didn't... Men, I think that our so Kohanim and the Levim, wouldn't they be for the right. So many, so many did. So many did, and others didn't. It seems that there were Kohanim and Levim on both sides of the, uh, on both sides. Although probably the majority were with the two tribes, but it doesn't say that it doesn't break it down to numbers that way. There definitely were on both sides. It's also important to note that there was also on an individual basis. There was always people from all the tribes everywhere. Because whenever we say the ten tribes versus the two tribes, that's the basic land areas. But there were always some people, even from the ten tribes, that stuck on that, that, that stuck around Yerushalayim. And there were people from the two tribes probably in the ten tribes area too. We're talking, it's a general, this whole thing is a generality. The ten, the area of the ten, the area of the two. So primarily the area of the two was the place of the right. two and the area of the ten. But there were Yechidim, there were definitely people, you know, always. Because uh, just to say, even according to the opinion that the ten tribes were lost and not coming back, there's always got to be 12 tribes of the Jewish people. So even if, according to the opinion that the 10 tribes are lost, there's still people amongst the two tribes from all the 10 tribes. So it's not as if that there was no one from any other Shevet in Yerushalayim, but this was the, the general picture of the time. 
Are you going to have to uh, in Israel today they say the, the, the 